Welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that a lot of stuff comes out on October 20th, <laughs> and we're going to have to talk about it. I'm your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and my favorite holiday, which is celebrated on October 20th, is the International Day of the Air Traffic Controller. <laughs> And you know, good for them. I get a cake, and I and I and they're like, "Where do you want the cake?" And I'm like, "I want it over there. I did there that way." You can imagine what I'm doing with my hands, listener. Just imagine what I'm doing with my arms and hands. <laughs> There's a lot of motion. There's a lot of motion happening. Uh, Misha Stanton, what uh, what's your favorite holiday to celebrate on October 20th? I think my favorite holiday to celebrate on October 20th is National Calling Day for Health Reform. <laughs> Whoa. I think, Very much on brand for you. I think we all need it, and I think we all want it. For sure. A <laughs> uh, special shout out to holidays-and-observances.com <laughs> slash October-20th.html. We're looking up all of these holidays. Wait, hold on. When was this made? Copyright 2012 to 2023. Incredible. Could not, yeah, could not but- have assumed it was made later than... 2003. For sure. I really like some of the other ones on here. Uh, I'm sure you're all looking up this website as we speak because obviously it's in the episode description. But shout out to National Suspenders Day, Office Chocolate Day, which feels inappropriate. Maybe it's a holdover from a different time. I don't know about specifically office chocolate as opposed to. I don't like that it's office chocolate either. Absolutely. International Sloth Day. Very fun. Mm -hmm. Very apt. National Brandied Fruit Day. Only in the United States. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I also big shout out to Community Media Day because that's us, baby. That one also counts for us. That's good. Well, Misha, the reason why we're talking about October twentieth here at Games of Feelings is because we're going to spend four hours breaking down Killers of the Flower Moon. Great, <laughs> great piece of media that came out. <laughs> Only slightly longer than the actual movie. Um, I will say that I did. I didn't do this on October twentieth, but I did make my own Barbenheimer. I've been calling it. Killers of the Mario Moon for the entire time. I did, in fact, see Killers of the Flower Moon in the afternoon and then beat Mario Wonder at the end of that day. So I was really proud Killers of, of the Mario Moon does sound like you're bringing your Switch into the theater with you to see Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon. and It's really long, and you can hear Taylor Swift's Era's tour movie at the same time, oh, so I'm kind of out of it anyway. That's the double viewing for the weekend. It's Killers of the Flower Moon and the Eras tour. Eras of the Flower Moon is really Pretty good. good. I like that. Pretty good. I wish that there was one of those websites that told you when to pee, but it's like, hey, when can I pull out my Switch in the <laughs> middle of this movie? When can I do that? It, yeah, if you uh, stop it right at an hour and 29, you can fit in World 4-3. <laughs> Like when this comes to Apple TV Plus, it's like, all right, this is how you split up Killers of the Flower Moon into a mini series. So you can pick up like a few minutes of Spider Man 2. Just grind out. I know you're still getting some of the medals. Just grind it out. Eric, did you know that um, if you start playing Super Mario Wonder and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas at the same time, uh, when he drops acid and when Mario gets the first, I don't know, Wonder Flower, is that what's in that game? They coincide. They like sync up. It's cool. (laughs) Do you know at summer camp, we actually did uh, Dark Side of Oz. We actually did it. How was it? It it was interesting. For those of you who don't know, there is a long running... (laughs) myth that if you start playing uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd and play The Wizard of Oz at the same time, like, there are points in it that sync up, especially, like, when the Technicolor happens, like, the song Money, which is just, like, jingling coins, uh, like, it all kind of starts like that. And, like, there's a big thing that happens when it becomes a color. So, good joke, Misha. But I did it, and it was (laughs) underwhelming because uh, it's supposed to be for vinyl. So it's weird when even a CD changer does, in fact, put in some time where it does yeah. off sync it even if there were some supposed crossover. No, nah, you gotta do it on vinyl, man. That's the only way. No, you gotta do it on vinyl. And then me in 12 at summer camp being like, you gotta do it on vinyl! You gotta! <laughs> Alright, so we are, in fact, this is a special October 20th episode of Games and Feelings. We're gonna be a contemporary video game podcast and talk about new games that are coming out. I have played almost all of Super Mario Bros. Wonder, the new game that came out. A lot of video games have actually come out on October 20th. I, I've known about this for a while. Yeah. There was a Kotaku article that's like, all of these games are coming out around this time. So we're not talking about Alan Wake 2. We're not talking about Assassin's Creed Mirage and all the other stuff. We're talking about Mario, Mario Wonder, and Spider-Man 2, which Misha yes. 
How far are you in it? I I literally just 100% completed Spider-Man 2 like five minutes before we started recording. (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. You're fresh. You know exactly what's (laughs) Uh, happening. It was so good. (laughs) I want to say that I literally did buy a PS5 for myself so that I could play this. Also, same. Like, don't get me wrong. I had a PS4, so I had some other games I could load on there. But I did buy the console because of Spider-Man 2. That's fair. I will. This is my chance to also say I did not buy it. Amanda and Jasper peer pressured me into buying it. Then I went, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And then Amanda bought it for me as an early Hanukkah present. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's like some kind of obligation or your favorite thing, Prezi No Reason. It, it was a Prezi. It was too big for Prezi No Reason. Like, you know, I was not not ready for that. But Amanda did go to a Best Buy and pick it up. So that was good. Prezi No Reason. It was a Prezi No Reason. It was a Prezi for a good reason, not holiday. And I'm like, no, you're putting this as my Hanukkah present. You're not going to get me more. And she might get me more anyway, but it was really, really wild. What do you mean? You didn't get it for National Suspenders Day? (laughs) I thought we... (laughs) No, National... It was for Office Chocolates Day. (laughs) That's what she got it for me. Oh, it's a chocolate PS5. Delicious. Yeah. All right, Misha, we, I have some questions here that are going to work for both of us. Uh, so I'll ask the question, and you talk about Spider-Man 2, and I will talk about Mario Wonder. That sounds great. Uh, the, the first thing is, how do you unlock Daisy? Uh, there's a Daisy suit when you beat all of the the uh, hunter bases. <laughs> you get a oh, big nice. poofy good, dress good, and good. you fly through the streets of New York. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a very games and feelingsy review of these two games. I think it's funny that these came out at the same time. So I mean, this matters less for me, but I think for Misha, don't worry. If you want to play Spider Man Two and you haven't a hundred percented it, there's we're going to keep as much content spoilers as possible. Yes, I will say maybe like spoilers for like where the game starts, like the like the yeah. beginning setup of the game. I'm not going to give any story spoilers. I'm going to try really really hard to uh, avoid mechanical spoilers. Spoilers, uh, while still talking about how cool this game is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'll do the same with Mario. I mean, there's some things that are definitely already in the marketing, mm-hmm. but I think there are a lot of surprises, especially in both of our games, but a lot, like, kind of the whole game is based around, like, oh my god, so look at this uh, for Mario Wonder. So specifically, I will also try as well. So you can just enjoy it, even if you're not playing these games or you want to play it. Hopefully uh, this, this will be good for you. Yep. All right. First question. Misha, what feeling did you have when you booted what feeling did you have when you started this game? Oh, when I started this game, I was I was just so hype. Um Spider-Man 1 is one of my favorite games. Uh I've played it through four or five times now. Uh Miles Morales fantastic DLC, probably shouldn't have been its own release, probably should have just been a paid DLC, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been looking forward to this game for years, and it starts on a real high note. And so, like, it, it truly is like a cutscene, and then let's go, let's go, let's go. I was so hyped. I feel like for Spider-Man 2 specifically, the hype has been building incredibly. Because, like, didn't Miles Morales happen because of, like, COVID delays and weird stuff, and then they ended up building it out to... It was like 60% of a video game. And they're like, you know what, let's let's put it out. It was definitely, like... I think it was definitely a playground where they tested out a bunch Mm -hmm. of stuff for the sequel. I think they knew pretty early on that they were going to have to give Miles lightning powers uh, when they made him a playable character, so they, like, made this prequel, you know, this, like, interquel game uh, so that the lightning would be super crisp by the time you got to Spider-Man 2. Um, There's a couple other systems in there uh, that, like, get iterated on. And then in Spider-Man 2, like, the quality of life improvements on the things they couldn't make too different in Miles Morales, um, like, really smooth a lot of the experience over from the first one. Mm. I think it's so funny, just the way that video games work, but I think that it most embodied it with Miles Morales, how, like, Miles's dad in the video game universe was always a cop and yep. he always died in Spider-Man 1. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. Well, you're fine so that's it. the it's thing. Fine. Like we are five years on from the first game. It's just the second game that just came out. Right. Exactly. But then it's like, okay. And then, then we're in Harlem for the majority of, of Miles Morales. And then like, because this game came out in 2021, which again, got pushed out because they're like, we just need it. We want to just put this out. It's not a full game, but it's something. It's just like, oh, hey, congratulations. You're having a large 
large conversation about the police, yeah. right? When you're releasing this game that you've been iterating for four or five years. Yeah, th- there's also like a pivot from like the first Spider-Man game is really pro-cop, kind of like uh, very strangely so, especially for 2018. Like it, it's very yeah. pro-cop. Uh, and then like in Miles Morales, they sort of scrambled to be like, uh, let's let's get it away from being pro-cop. Uh, what can we do? I don't know. There's an app where the community reports crimes. And then that's what they do in the second one to completely divorce it from, like, being cop-ness. Like, also, uh, the first one makes you do a lot of, like, solve a lot of crimes and beat up bad guys with the cops. And um, in the second game, those are, like, largely ignorable, which is nice. Oh, good. That's nice. I also, I need to say that when I was in Los Angeles and at Misha's house, fasting for Yom Kippur, yep. I spent a lot of time just, like, so at the lowest energy of my life being like, yeah, good job, Spider-Man. <laughs> Wow, good job. Hey, Spider-Man, great. Just like you you or me playing yeah. Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Incredible. Um, okay, so Super Mario. So I am only a casual Super Mario fan. Um, mm-hmm. What do you consider, like, the game before Super Mario Wonder? This is a great question. So the feeling that I had before I started this game was kind of trepidation. So th- there is a division between Mario genre games. They, okay. they established this in various places, like about uh, the difference between like Paper Mario and Mario RPG and Mario and Luigi RPG games are totally different universes mm-hmm. as opposed to the 3D Mario and the 2D Mario. If you're example, the 3D Mario can swim. 2D Mario can't. So it's like literally can multiverse bullshit, right? Gotcha. But like I, during this time, in between, like, various 2D Mario games. Like, Odyssey came out, and, like, obviously it rocked everyone's world, Mm -hmm. but it feels, 3D Mario feels so different. 2D Mario is just like, oh, yeah, they put it out every once in a while. It feels like it's for children. Mm. It's almost like the Pokemon of Mario games, where it's like, I'm an adult and I want to play this, but I know that it is geared for an eight-year-old to play also. So I was definitely coming with trepidation. Also, in the in-between, I've been watching a lot of Mario Speedrunners and Mario Mm. ROM hacks and Mario Mario Maker. So it's like seeing 2D Mario at the highest levels of difficulty and creativity for <laughs> right, that matter. Right. And being like, oh, this is what it could be. But Nintendo being like the obscure, opaque company that it is just <laughs> does whatever the fuck. And sometimes it's magical as pointing, I'm pointing to Tears of the Kingdom over there. Yeah. And sometimes it's absolutely baffling. I'm pointing to the online system <laughs> over here <laughs> uh, of the Switch. So I was definitely coming with trepidation. I was going to buy it immediately, but I didn't really know what was coming into it, what uh, I'm feeling at the end. Okay. So, Misha, here's the second question. How are you feeling right now here at the end of the game? Uh, right now, um, really satisfied. Uh, Ooh. I think that um, I ran into some uh, glitchiness towards the end, which I'm sure will be patched sure. out because this is, again, four days after it came out, and it's one of the most processing-heavy games they've released so far. So I'm sure that's going to get patched over, but, like, gosh, the story really hit for me. Man, you never hear... I know that that's, like, a new thing you say about video games as people try to make the movies at the same time, but, like, that's good. Truly, good job. Uh, I played it pretty much the entire time with uh, my wife Erin on the couch next to me. We both, all the time we were watching it or playing it, we were like, man, this is the best Spider-Man movie. Like, this is... <laughs> Actually better than all the other movies that have come out so far. <laughs> Misha, don't worry. There is a question about what it's like playing with your wife on the couch. We will okay, be great. discussing that. Great, great, great. So, yeah. So, <laughs> no, um, just it really hit on a lot of levels. There was, like, one thing I had a quibble with at the end, but it's clearly to set something up for the future, and they just had to, like, kind of make it work. Um, uh, of course. Because, because I'm you know... Uh, that's another thing. Um, at the end of this game, I'm satisfied it was a complete experience, but also mm-hmm. like looking forward to being like, of, of course, there's going to be a Spider-Man 3. Of course. And good. I mean, you know, for something interactive, I think it's not as annoying as Marvel, the Marvel movies, where it's like, oh, good. There's going to be more for me to play in four years for sure. Well, no, it's like that's the thing. I think that they were always hoping there'd be a Spider-Man 2. But like Spider-Man 1 is a complete story and experience with a variety of things going on that all get mm. pretty well resolved. Spider-Man 2, uh, same way. Like, it, it is a full experience on its own and also will benefit from being part of the series. Sure. 
I guess just like the way that I feel about superhero movies, how like it is a complete experience, but then they have to do something stupid. Like for example, uh, the new Batman with um, Robert Pattinson in it, mm-hmm. when like the Joker oh is like there. It's so fucking stupid. It's such a Could good you just movie. Cut the Joker part out, and it would be such a better movie. If, they, if that just if that shit just didn't exist, hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like I I really get pulled out when I know maybe because it's like we work in media, so I guess mm-hmm. I kind of see the content strategy above. But I, like I almost want to forgive that more for a video game because it's like oh good more for me to play and at least like the active verb of play is different than oh you're gonna deliver me more drivel next year in the movie theater and i also think that as the movies have spent more and more of their runtime doing that part of the movie making thing where like now like ant-man 3 was fully like 40 minutes of set up the future so like by comparison, you know, I, I completed this game, I would say, in a crisp 15 hours. They, they're they advertising 20. Um, but, like, of those 15 hours, I want to say two minutes of it was devoted to that part. Good. To setting up the future That's a good part. percentage. That's a very good percentage. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to say the feeling that I have now at the end, I'm really impressed. I'm, yeah? I'm impressed. Nintendo tried, and they did it. There's in a way where I didn't feel it didn't feel like childish at the same time where it's like I was really impressed by what happened. Yeah, it was not as hard necessarily as I thought it would be. Like I played the um, there's another 2D one that has like a notorious really hard level at the end. Mm. But I think that like, you know, how hard can they make it for something that that isn't made by uh someone who decided to put 500 hours into a ROM hack, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it all, and it looked really pretty. It really did. So yeah. I was really impressed in a few ways. So I'm just like, good. I know I barreled it a little bit, like, in three days, but I might return to it. I might play it again. But uh, it was, I was actually genuinely impressed. It was, it was really nice. Yeah, like, so that's an interesting dichotomy between our two games, is, like, I yes. was impressed narratively and I was impressed mechanically, but, like, does Mario Wonder have a narrative that can impress in that way? Or is it truly just like the pure like 2D Mario mechanical like evolution of it? I guess without well, again, without spoiling, I guess. Well, I think let's go into this the the second block here, which is that I want I want each of us to kind of highlight three like feelings or ideas that bubbled up for us mm-hmm. during this and we'll, and we'll go back and we'll go back and forth. The first thing is that Mario Wonder has one of the most solid magic systems I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Okay. Okay. And I'm saying this to you, another person who has has swallowed so many stupid magic systems. So that I've dumb. Ever seen. <laughs> wow. So the thing that I think I was impressed about was that going to the Flower Kingdom. That is the plot of this of this game. Is okay. that Mario and his friends are in the Flower Kingdom, totally different kingdom. It's not the Mushroom Kingdom, and it has like a different prince, Prince Florian, who's like a little bug, a little bug friend. Okay. And uh, then they have these things called the the Wonder Flowers, which is kind of their magic, this like sense of power and magic that's around. Sure. And and Bowser steals the Wonder Flower and then melds with the castle, the main castle. So he's like a big vehicle slash <laughs> Bowser slash slash like a um, castle building at the same time. It's absolutely wild. Okay. It gets really, really phantasmagoric, I think, mm-hmm. is the only way for me to say it. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe you put this into a children's game, which is <laughs> it's pretty fun because it, it was also incredibly colorful and like you know, E for everyone. But still, it was really, really interesting. So the magic system is that these flowers are magical. There are these magic flowers everywhere. As and a, I think that's Sorry, the main... hold on, hold on. As opposed to the other flowers, which are not magical. Like, the fire flower is not magical? Well, that's what I'm... See, this is what I'm getting at. Like, okay. the power-ups are atemporal. They're kind of, like, out of time and story. Like, when you play a, three, a 2D Mario game, there's no justification. It's like, yeah, dude, I can turn into a tanuki. Mm-hmm. I can't... I have a cape now. But it's like for for these other things, the, there are these little flowers that are everywhere. And if you run over them, they shoot little like kind of pods in the air, these magical pods. And then something happens. Some like, see, you know how like when you would find a secret in any other video game, mm-hmm. you like push a button and then something would happen somewhere else. Yeah. Then like 
just because you found a secret thing. That is like a constant mechanic in this game. You run over a bud, it shoots seeds, and then something else happens. Maybe it will lead you to the next thing and drop coins in the in a, in the shape of an arrow telling you where to go. Maybe it will drop a 10 flower coin coin, which is these three you need to get in every single level. Mm. Maybe some pipes are going to grow or maybe like it's going to direct you and things are going to change. Like the magic system of flowers are magic and create secrets in the game, I think is super sturdy. And then every single time you touch a wonder flower, the weird stuff happens. Mm -hmm. However, you can still play most of the levels without touching the flower. Okay. But it's just like real standard. It's just very standardized in that way. So I think that the magic system integrates with the level design really nicely. And that's like, okay, the flower, the fl because they're in the flower kingdom, flowers are magic. If you touch the magic, the magic goes weird, but also there's low-key magic happening everywhere. I think that's really cool. And it kind of like held the entire thing together and allowed you to go to like all these different places and do all of this weird stuff. Cool. That's rad. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really rad. I thought it was really cool. What, hey, Misha, tell me one like idea or thought or feeling that you got from uh, Spider-Man 2. Well, I think the mechanical evolution in the second game is like significant and also cool. Because when you play the first mm. game, when you get good enough at timing like the button presses, you can kind of just button mash and punch anyone in your way after a certain point. And it's like yeah. the same kind of like punch, dodge under, punch, 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 finish. And that becomes the combat for most enemies in that game. I, yes, I did want to ask you about this because when I was playing it at your house, I was like, oh, this is just like the Arkham games with Batman, the bad mm -hmm. guy. And it's like, oh, very, it's almost like much more slow because it's like Batman. Also, it's like, there's less power in the things yeah. that we're using, but also it's like Batman is the detective and he goes punch, punch, dodge, punch, punch, punch. And like Spider-Man is so acrobatic, but it's yeah. weird that the mechanics in so many ways are still punch, punch, dodge, punch, punch, punch. Yeah, combo. it's a little bit more dynamic on like the square of the battlefield where like you can position people and move people and there's a bunch of extra stuff you can do on top of it. But a lot of times the best move is just punch, punch, dodge, punch, punch, punch. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2... Um, a evolves the villain types, the like the enemy types, so that like that doesn't always work anymore. And two, oh, good. have sort of created this system where instead of like also in the first game you had these like more powerful web gadgets that like you'd kind of have to scroll into a, a weapon wheel and select one for like the it current moment. It was very moment. like Tony Stark is Spider Man's dad sort of vibes, like from the Marvel movies. Well, it's all it very much comes from Ratchet and Clank, which is made by the same studio. It was like a very oh. clear like like Ratchet and Clank. That's how it works, and then they put that system into Spider Man um, and made it spider themed. But like sometimes you could forget that you put on a special weapon and so you'd go to use your normal web shooter which is the only one that recharges automatically and you like use up all your gadgets and then you don't have them for the fight anymore. Um, mm -hmm. They've changed the, the gadget system and the like electricity power for Miles and powers for Peter. <laughs> and, and they put them so that it's like you're holding L1 and a button or R1 and a button. And so you really, it's like an intentional combo press that you don't end up using it accidentally very often and then mm. the the evolved enemy types like you have to use those moves more the game encourages you to use those special moves and the gadgets and the powers way way more so like but they do run out and they're on a recharge so you have to be very intentional about combat all of a sudden and it really evolved the gameplay I appreciate that you're going sprint, sprint, sprint. They did say that in the. I think it's pretty obvious in the trailers, so I think you can say it if you. Okay, want. Okay, so so at a certain point, Peter gets venom powers. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. That's really interesting. That it's like, okay, if we're gonna bring, if it's kind of funny because it's like, well, Miles is more powerful than Peter Parker. He's just younger. Yeah. But now it's like they had to bring Peter Parker up to Miles's level by giving him venom powers too. Yeah. Well. I won't spoil. There's something that happens in the story that, like, both of their powers do evolve over the story. Um, oh. And, and that happens in interesting ways. Like, at, at the very beginning, and it's kind of low-key, but, like, 
Peter at the start has like those four mecha arm powers and like yeah. those get quickly replaced in the narrative by the venom powers and it's so clear Got that it. they want you to use the venom powers more but like there is sort of like you, they both start at a place and they both finish at a place um so it's not just Peter that that gets new stuff. Yeah, I just kind of like that as a funny like you you guys are both novices now and you will grow in your powers. Like what a very smooth way to do that. Well, you do start Spider-Man 2 with all the powers that you unlock in Spider-Man 1, which is a thing that just oh, generally cool. about sequels that I love when they do that. Like the Kingdom Hearts franchise, which is near and dear to my heart, was so bad about this. They're constantly yeah. resetting your progress from the previous game for no reason, and you just have to learn the same stuff again. Um, at the start of Spider-Man 2, if you press any of the advanced button combos from the first game that you want to use those abilities, they're already there at the start, and like it feels oh, seamless. Tight. It's very cool. Yeah, I the whole time I was playing Mario, I'm like, how do I get the honey blasters? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so few. I have so few people in my life that I can make. I have like four people in my life I can make Kingdom Hearts references to, and I really appreciate that. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm constantly always one of them. If anybody, anybody out there on the internet, if you want to talk to me about Kingdom Hearts, specifically Kingdom Hearts Two, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. He, here's my second one. I started playing a game with myself of if I could predict what the Wonder Flower was going to be. Oh, yeah. And I lost 90% of the time. Very cool. Which is like, the, this is what I'm saying about Nintendo being weird sometimes, where they're like, oh, yeah, like, they do. So I feel, not that they phone it in, but I just don't think that they're thinking original a lot of the time. Sometimes they blow it out, right? Yeah. Whoever invented the the Tears of the Kingdom stick things together power, like, <laughs> congratulations. You're, you you done it. You are so innovative. And Nintendo does a lot of innovative stuff a lot of the time, but sometimes they just phone it in. And I think a a lot of the time they phone it in on the 2D Mario mm. because it's just like, yeah, give the people what they want. They want the, they want the guy who runs and you get to the end of the line. They want right? a new mechanic for their Mario Maker speed runs. Yeah, exactly. Or not even. Like, they don't even want – they just want new levels, I guess, or yeah. they want an upscaled thing, something you got on the Wii. Now you can play it on Switch. Congratulations. But there were a lot of interesting things that I was not anticipating. The Wonder Flower truly does anything. Right, it can do anything in terms of the magic system, right? Yeah. Which is also why I like it. The uh, the Wonder Flower is unbridled, but it is supposed to be like goofy and silly and ridiculous, mm -hmm. which it is a lot of the time. But then when I'm like, oh, it has to be themed on the level. So I think, oh, I'm going to turn into this enemy or these things or these trees are going to change or the, the pipes are going to change. Like, And then I was surprised 90% of the time. That's they really, really, cool. really, really did get me. So I don't want to say any of, it, any of it on here. But in the first three levels, they really tell you what's going to happen. The second level, you get the Wonder Flower, and then it turns into a march of piranha plants where they get out of their pipes and dance and sing. <laughs> it is so wild. In the third level, the pipes turn into inchwor giant inchworms and move across the level. It's just, it's really wild and it's really innovative. They also do a lot of my favorite things. Everything is just very colorful, uh, which I really appreciated. I think it it is the best thing to do on the Switch, which does not have the computing power mm -hmm. that a PC or an Xbox or a PlayStation 5 has at all. But the way to do that is you run cartoons through it. That's why Zelda look good. That's why Zelda look good. Yeah. And Nintendo knows that and no one else knows that. Well, um, well, and I'm going to ask you about that maybe a little bit later, too. But I, I have yeah. some interesting thoughts about the wonder on the Switch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I, I was really surprised and like, I had a lot of fun. I gasped. I certainly gasped a few, a few times. I smiled. I laughed, which is stuff I was not anticipating from kind of like a mainline Nintendo game. Yeah. Uh, and the Wonder Flower, the Wonder Flower are good. I think that like, obviously we're the internet. So we kind of like got our jollies out by being like, ho, 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 you're on drugs. Ha, ha. Yeah. But I think it really undersold the cheer wonder. Like the, the name wonder is, is apt for the game. Cool. I think that's so interesting, too, that, like, the way you framed it is not, like, something cool happened. It's that I was trying to expect something, and I rarely expected it. Uh, yeah. The fact that, like, the game in every moment has to set an expectation and exceed it all within, like, 10 seconds. And yes. that, like, it's—that's such an advanced move 
to to be able to constantly do that. Especially because it's Mario, right? Yeah. Is like everyone literally one of the oldest video games. There, and there's kajillions of videos about how one one of the original Mario game is the perfect level, right? Yeah. Like they are so good at teaching you concepts and then immediately inverting it. You can yeah. see it with uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, you know, as for a modern example. Like those levels are incredible, and the Wonder Flower is leaning into doing innovative stuff within an expected. If you try to expect something, they will probably invert it. Hell yeah. That's rad. Yeah. All right. Give me one more. Give me one more thought. Uh, I mean, I think it was so thoughtful of them to put a Superman game in my Spider-Man game. <laughs> Yo. Oh, yeah. I did, I was not even expecting this. this okay. Spider-Man 1 had some great traversal. One of the biggest things about Spider-Man is you have to feel like you're swinging on webs through New York and that mm-hmm. you are doing it well. Um, that's why the first game starts in, like, Spider-Man's been around for eight years. It's so, like, he feels competent even when you pick him up the first time at swinging, and it just feels good. Spider-Man 2 took that to a whole new level. Everything is so zippy. Everything is so fast. Mm. Everything feels so good. And at the very, like, in the very first moments of the game, they give you, uh, like, a glider suit. Like, glider wings. Oh, my God. And... The rest of the game, sure, you can swing around if you want, or you can just fly everywhere and go so fast, and it feels amazing. Um, also, New York is bigger. That's, I mean, that's one of the big marketing things about Spider-Man 2 is that, like, it's always just been Manhattan, and now there's Brooklyn and Queens, and you can go there. Hell yeah. Um, Did you go I to my plan, house? Uh, I, st- I haven't done it. I was going to take a screenshot of me going past the Multitude Studio if Do I could it. find it. Do it. I want to see if I can find it. Um, but, yeah, like, it just... The flying feels so good. It feels so, so good. <laughs> and like, that's awesome. You know, Superman games have had a notorious history of like being really bad, mostly because no one could nail the flying. And it's so startling that it's that here it was in a Spider-Man game. Like it was hidden in a different game. Yeah. Especially you flying through rings is the single most notorious thing you do in mm-hmm, a Superman mm-hmm. game. They really just, they took a Superman game and made, and fixed it and made it good and then put it inside a Spider-Man game. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, my final thing is that uh, it, this looks awesome. It looks mm, so good. Mm. The cartoony vibes of everything. Th- this is finally Mario looks it looks like a cool, fun video game instead of like some stu- like. Do you ever see those videos where it's like Mario in like in sixty yeah. FPS, <laughs> like odd, odd like this graphics card? Well, isn't that like one of the big pushes behind this game? Like, did they throw a bunch of budget at the animation specifically? It felt it felt like it's. I, be- it I believe that's like the case. I believe that like the big production push for this game is like we're going to super beef up the animation department the animation mm. rigs are way more complex i've seen some breakdowns where like the facial animations have their own rigs separate from the body like it's yeah. it was it, they put a lot of money into making it look really good i i'm truly not surprised at all um something that surprised me every time that i noticed even at the end something that made me happy every time is when you get a mushroom and when you get a fire flower, whenever you get a power up, mm-hmm. like your character does a pose, right? Yeah. But I noticed every single time you get a fire, you get a mushroom, you go from small to large. And I played Luigi the entire time. Mm. There's this pose that they do that's very like Enter the Spider Verse, where it's like with the color, this like color behind it is mm. for Luigi. It was yellow, and then every time he went okay, and then and then this yellow happened behind him. And I'm like, that is so cool. I notice it every single time. When you get the fire flower, there is also this move where Louis, where your character like brings the fire back and does an anime pose with it, and the <laughs> fire like whooshes. And then again, it's for a split second just to show you've gotten the power up. But it's every time, and it's so good. It just everything looks so fun. Hell yeah! I really like it. That's great. Uh, my last thing here, again, trying not to spoil anything, is. Um, I loved how integrated the side quests were into the main quest, into the main world. Oh, good. Yeah, in Spider-Man 1, like, don't get me wrong, the Spider-Man games, this series is a -a collect-a-thon. There's a big map, and there's icons all over the map, and you do little quests, and then the icons go away, and it makes your dopamine centers go burr. Mm -hmm. But in this game, I don't know, maybe just, like, the writing was more on point, they spent more time, like, really making it feel like 
it was part of the world. Uh, I feel like in Spider-Man 1, especially, specifically all the science missions, I feel like, you know, you'd go up on a thing and it would, like, cut to a different version of the map with specific one-off mechanics. I hate it. And you'd complete that. it and then it'd be done. And then you'd never yeah. see it again. The science missions in Spider-Man 2, uh, they're recurring. They feel like part of the world. You know, they're tied into the narrative better. Like, I felt more connected to them. Uh, in a in a great way. It, again, it's still a collectathon, but I don't know. It it felt more narratively integrated, and I appreciated that a lot. I'll take that. That sounds great. Hey, it's Eric, and I'm recording this on the eve of Halloween. I have all of this candy, and I do want to eat the Reese's and the Snickers myself. But you can have the mountains and the almonds. Uh, you can have the mounds, and I don't even know the name of the candy because it has... Why would I want almonds and coconut? That's so nasty. Get in the comments and tell me if you don't think it's nasty. I think it's nasty. You can have them. Have all my Halloween candy I don't want. First of all, hello to everyone who followed us for free over at patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings. I don't post things for free over there, so I appreciate that you're doing it. I've been doing Patreon for so long that, like, all of these changes, uh, I just don't understand. Patreon has always been the place where you give me a little bit of money and I give you extra content. So definitely consider jumping up for just $5. You get the bonus replay episodes with me and Amanda. Uh, and you can even get ad-free episodes as well as you jump up. And you can get the exclusive question uh, form, which no one has used. Uh, some of you do have the, the thing, but some uh, you don't use it. And I think you should. Uh, also, shout out to producer-level patrons Polly Birch, Kelsey Duffy, and Peyton, who are all going as dice from Yahtzee for Halloween, which I think is really cute. It is a great day to try another show here, the Multitude Podcast Collective. We have a new game show here, a new show about games. Big Game Hunger is a weekly comedy show where Jenna Steber and friends craft the next big video game every episode. I have admired Jenna as a video game journalist and as a YouTuber and just as a person on the internet for a very long time. Um, and she's been on a bunch of episodes of Games and Feelings, especially the live show we did at PAX. Um, so I'm so happy that uh, she's doing a show with Multitude. It's going to be incredible. Starting with a randomly generated genre, concept, and vibe, Jenna and a variety of funny and game-obsessed guests will take these ideas far enough that they can pitch it to a shadowy board of rich investors. By the end of the episode, they'll have honed an IP so irresistible, you'll be ready to risk it all. And by all, I mean $25 on Steam. This is such like a throwback to some of my favorite older types of podcasts, which is like a bunch of funny people make something up that they know stuff about. And I'm very excited for you all to hear it. Beginning of Hunger already has one episode out. You got to check it out. New episodes every Monday. It's going to keep coming. It's weekly from the beginning. Jenna's hilarious. I'm going to be on an episode sooner rather than later. So y'all should go check that out. Big Game Hunger. We are sponsored this week by Ravensburger Jigsaw Puzzles. Indulge in the timeless pleasure of assembling Ravensburger's extraordinary jigsaw puzzles. The premium quality of these puzzles, they're crafted with meticulous attention to detail, bringing you an unparalleled puzzle-solving experience with a rich heritage dating back to 1883. Ravensburger puzzles have become an integral part of families' lives across generations. Share the joy of puzzling with family and friends, knowing that your cherished puzzles will stand the test of time. You can point to that puzzle and be like, I made this in 2023. And they'll be like, Grandpa, the, it's everything so different. What's a puzzle? It's 2077. It's cyberpunk. And you're like, oh, wow. I remember when I was buggy. They'll be like, oh, Grandpa, you're in a, you're in like a robot body. We can't understand you. That'll be you with Ravensburger. Are you up to the challenge? Shop Ravensburger today at your local game store or find it on Amazon. And now, back to the show. All right, Misha, well, I do have a question. I think that we do need to, because we are honest video gamers, mm -hmm. uh, we can be negative. We can be a little negative about the things that we had we had here. Okay. Um, I think that some mechanics just straight up didn't work in some of the oh, levels no. that I did. It was just like, I'm like, this this enemy's stupid. Or like, this wonder flower power is stupid. There was ones where they slowed down and sped up time. And I'm like, that's so boring, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, the ones where they just assigned that to it was like, you guys couldn't think of something. So you just slapped this on there. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and like some of the enemies, are, I could not figure out the mechanics of some of the enemies. 
Um, so it's like, but again, it's so small. I think it's, I think that there's some weird multiplayer stuff where it's like the, Nintendo still has not really figured out online play, but like, I don't play these for, to do it with other people. I do it just to play by myself. You, you can't expect a game that was founded as a board game company in the 1890s to know how to seamlessly do online play. Okay, Eric? I know, but they just love doing bad online. Yeah. They like, they commit to it <laughs> and then they do it badly. So it's like, it's very much a Nintendo game. There was also an entire type of level they had a lot of bonuses which i thought was really fun like different like outside of like level levels there was like Mm -hmm. a ko arena where you have to defeat all these people in a certain amount of time and these challenges like i haven't even talked about the badges yet which is fine we it's it's kind of just like a fun interesting thing there was something called like search party which is where you got to find these five medallions but Mm -hmm. it's supposed to i think it's supposed to encourage multiplayer play that you can only see a lot of the blocks if you're playing a certain character. They're oh. invisible to you if you don't do it. So I'm like, absolutely fuck this. No way. I used a guide for every single one of them. I couldn't figure it. I even yes. tried to figure them out by myself. Even the first one, I got four of them and I couldn't find the fifth one. It was stupid. Um, so it's like, again, so still some big swings and misses, uh, especially trying to integrate these like multiplayer online stuff. Mm-hmm. What are you? Do you have any neg- negativos? Yeah, um, I think that it, it's such an ambitious game, Spider-Man Two. Um, yeah. But like, they were doing so many new things uh, that it, it came out unpolished. Like I mentioned that, like I, you know, I mm-hmm. played it the first three days after release. I'm sure they're going to patch it, but like, my kingdom for the days when video games were released and they worked, uh, and you didn't have to like send them out unfinished. Um, I understand there's economics in play about that. I understand why this is the process to get games to look as good as the, they can look these days. Um, some things were glitchy. Some some of the new systems interacted in a way that like made the seams very obvious. Where like I'd use uh-huh. one at one new weapon on one new type of enemy, and it would blast them to a part of the map that like their new AI wasn't equipped for, and then they'd get stuck in a corner or something. You know, <laughs> stuff that I'm sure they'll patch. But like, yeah. like it was doing so many new things as opposed to another game that came out this year, Tears of the Kingdom, which really did like two or three new things, but they spent an extra year making sure those those new things worked so well you'd never notice. Right. Very similar thing, how it's like they just kind of layered on to the previous thing as yeah. Tears of the Kingdom felt layered on to Breath of the Wild. And I mean, that's true. No, because of literal That makes setting. it a really apt comparison. You're right. Yeah, I'm really good at this, Misha. Okay, fine. <laughs> good, good. It. Misha was fucking doing it. It was good. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, man, open world games are so hard. It's like they're balancing both the expectation of like, we, I want to play this for 5,000 hours. But do people want to play it for 5,000 hours? Like they would rather have shorter games that are better. So yeah. it's, it's hard. And I well, think it seems like they tried. I, I, back to things I love about this game. What is good about this game is like once once you complete everything, once you unlock your maximum powers, like mm. do you know how many hours I'm going to spend just turning on music on Spotify and swinging and flying through the streets of New York? <laughs> like it's, that sounds tight. It's, that's, all, that's all anyone really wanted. <laughs> that's true. All right, let's get to some some uh, weirder questions here. Okay, uh, Misha, your uh, Spider-Man Two is part of a long tradition of these types of games, uh, whether it be Spider-Man, superhero, or open world. Is this the best version of of this long tradition of games? Uh, interesting question. Uh, it's definitely the best Spider-Man game. It's probably the best superhero game. Uh, I don't know that I have played enough open worlds to have, like, a really educated opinion on this. Um, a mm. lot of people think that, like, the open worldness of Spider-Man 1 got really repetitive by the end and, like, wasn't actually the best open world. It was. It felt good to swing through, but it wasn't the best open world. I know a lot of people cite, like, Horizon games, Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. Horizon Forbidden West, as one of the best open worlds. Um, I couldn't make it really past a couple hours in those games. I bounced yeah. right off of them, so I'll never know. Um, I don't know that I could say it's a it's the largest sandbox to have an a single player RPG in that I, I you know I don't know that I call it an open world game. It's just a single player RPG with a big sandbox. Mm, respect. Okay. Um, is this for me the same question? Part of the long tradition of Mario games. Is this the best version? Um, 
No, no, I don't no? think so. I think it's a modern iteration of this, but it's like it just cannot hold a candle to like Mario, Super Mario World, and the innovation, and just like the sheer, not even nostalgia, but just like yeah. doing the most with less that was truly making a game on the Super NES, you know? Mm-hmm. That was my and first video I, game. Really? Yeah. Hell my yeah. grandpa had an SNES and uh, he had Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country. Hell and yeah. Those were my first two video games. I just think that video games. Are a are a medium that needs restraints, and it's almost like when Mar when they're making a new two D Mario game, it's like they don't have any restraints. It is truly the most open canvas thing they could do, and they yeah. did something very fun with it. But it's like it, it just does not hold a candle to the to the power of like the foundations of this entire thing yeah. we're doing here of a video game. And also like, man, you can really do so much more with three D Mario. Like I'm yeah. I'm still fucking beating down the door. In Japan, waiting for Super uh, for Mario Odyssey two, I really am. So that kind of gets into the thing I wanted to ask. I hope you don't mind Please. diverting from your list of questions for a moment. No, it's fine. A lot of the reviews that I saw of Super Mario Wonder, like more than one, several to the point where it was a little weird, framed this game as, "Wow, the last game on the Switch is really good." Yeah, and I think like. Nintendo has announced that they're going to come up with a Switch successor and that they're working on it. But it's so weird for everyone to have pegged Super Mario Wonder as the last Switch game. Like, everyone just Mm. sort of decided it at the same time. Seems odd to me. So, like, do you think Odyssey 2 is going to be on the Switch 2? And how do you feel about that? I mean, it's all continuous, you know? Like, the Wii and the Wii U were pretty much the same. If it's the same gimmick, like, I consider it all to be the same thing. I think also, like, the number of video game uh, journalists there are now Mm -hmm. is, like... The only way they exist is if you like are a smart, you're like snarky all the time, and you like make predictions. And there's a lot of groupthink just because gotcha. like there's such a rare breed now. I think that yeah. has more to do with like the number of people who wrote about it and the fact that you have to like beat this game in 24 hours and write up a review about it. Yeah, I mean, like we, in fairness, we did beat these games in three days. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, but we didn't have to write about it. We're just talking about it on a podcast out of our own volition. It's so yeah, fine. Okay, fair. So, it, I, and I think it also has to do with again the opaqueness of Nintendo and the leaks that have been coming out from mm-hmm. Nintendo lately. Everyone assumes that the Switch Two is coming very soon, and that they're going to push this out. And like, I just think it's a lot of like uh, tea leaf reading that people are saying is truth because they have to for dose clicks. For dose clicks, yeah, that makes sense. For dem, for um, dem clicks. I mean. Fortunately, we finally reached the computing processing power where things can be backwards compatible. I remember like yeah. when the PS3 came out and people were like, what do you mean I can't play all my PS2 games on it? And even though that was oh, never yeah. the expectation to that point, the PS5 is, I would say, like 95% backwards compatible. Like most of my PS4 games, you can just re-download and replay straight as is. Um, Hell yeah. So like... Maybe the Switch 2 will have backwards compatibility and you won't lose your entire I think it's going to. They've alluded to it and said there's going to be an easing between the two. Also, I think because it's a similar gimmick, I think might as well just make the same kind of port. I I think Mm -hmm. it's a processing power issue than like the, especially because so much is digital now. It's like you might as well. Like you might as well. Hopefully they can fix the Joy-Con sticks. They probably won't, and we're just gonna have to deal with it because that's what it'd be. It's like doing Nintendo. Um, I alluded to this before, but Misha, do you have any stories about playing with your spouse on the couch next to you? <laughs> I uh, do have a bunch of stories because uh, my wife Erin uh, was an only child in a poor part of the country, and so they didn't have a lot of games growing up. And also, uh, she has cerebral palsy, so she only has the use of one hand for the most part. Um, So she found it really hard to uh, get a hold of controllers, but I'm a big video gamer, and we started playing together, and it turns out she loves the kinds of stories that happen in video games. She just can't physically play them. Uh, So we've played a bunch of games. We played both God of Wars uh, for the recent generations. We played Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2. We've been playing Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart recently, which is also great. Uh, Also made by Insomniac and just as pretty. Uh, my favorite story, and I'm, I may have told this story on this podcast before, so forgive me, but easily my favorite That's story right. about playing video games with Aaron on the couch is uh, when we <laughs> downloaded the remastered version of Shadow of the Colossus, and mm. I tried to tell her very little about what that game's about, famously about, and 
we got through to the first Colossus and we beat it. And there was a sad cutscene where it collapsed to the ground and faded into the earth. And she said, that was so sad. I don't want to play this game anymore. And I said, Aaron, congratulations. You beat Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> you just got arted, motherfucker. Yeah, congratulations. You had a response to The art. only winning move was not to play. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly you're not a mark like like the guy in the in the game shadow of the colossus <laughs> yeah so that's that's easily my favorite story of playing couch co-op with my life. what about you amanda loves watching me play video games amanda truly does not consume conflict as a part of her entertainment unless it's on reality shows and i think that she's okay with the abstraction of it it's not real <laughs> conflict um so but she does like watching me when i'm playing video games on the couch i want to say this one particular thing so man yeah so like she just gets so stressed out she'll just she just like tenses up when i have to do like a hard level uh, even honestly i get that like i have physical reactions when i play yeah. first person shooter games that i cannot control that makes me objectively worse at the game so i, I like i'm with her there that's fair, but she's doing it by watching me play Super Mario Wonder. Okay, okay. <laughs> so this is, again, this is not a spoiler. You can assume this as this has happened. There are, as you get to to near the end, there are some special levels that get unlocked mm. as you go through, right? And there's like some real gauntlets at the end mm -hmm. um, and that are marked as such. They're like called gauntlet in the level, right? Yeah, I imagine that the hardest levels would be at the end, hopefully. And they're called gauntlets. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So I ended up playing one. I think it must have been the second to last level. And there's just like a part where you jump and there's, you know, it's it's a platformer. So you just jump and you you run and blah, blah, blah. And I finally, I nail it at the end. I get like a bunch of just moves and I kind of do it like off of just vibes. Like I, it's the first time I've seen it. It's just coming out of nowhere. And you know, like, of course, it's not necessarily about the jumping. It's about that everything's happening on screen at the same time, right? Yeah. And, like if it took away the flashing lights, it would be so much easier to hit the jump targets. Right, exactly. So you, I end up and I finish it. And then Amanda goes, feel my hand. And I touch it. Her hands are sweaty. <laughs> Her hands are sweaty from watching me play Super Mario Wonder. It's like an intense thriller movie. <laughs> Truly. It's like, this is like Final Destination, but it's Mario. <laughs> yeah, so at various times, Amanda's like on the couch, crunched up, and she'll go ah! <laughs> while yeah. I'm playing. And I'm like, I know! I got it, though! I've been doing this for a long time. I got it. <laughs> Ugh, incredible. Uh, okay, Misha, since this is a video game podcast where we talk about contemporary video games, mm -hmm. we are gonna have to have a Game of the Year discussion. Ooh, okay. I was. I think that, I'm being accosted by the most quintessential conversation in gaming podcasts. Okay, we are lit. We are barreling towards game of the year <laughs> discussion time. People are going to be putting out five hour episodes of colleagues at a media company yelling at each other about mm -hmm. whether Cooking Mama is a good video game or not. <laughs> like truly, I have some. So I got some questions here. The thing is, is that like I've been annoyed about this the entire time because. Mm -hmm. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, I think, is an absolute goddamn triumph. It is yeah. a piece of art. It is innovative. It is incredible for what it does. And it's polished to hell. Yes. And it showed, and as it, as Super Mario Wonder has also showed, the more time you put into a video game, usually the better it is. Stop yeah. putting things out so quickly. Video game industry, right? Mm -hmm. And then Baldur's Gate 3 showed up. And I didn't want to play it anywhere anyway because I could care literally nothing about playing in the Forgotten Realms. Yep, and then yep, everyone was yep. like, "Oh my god, the Tiefling wants to fuck me. I love it." And and then and everyone's like, "Game of the year." I'm like, "No, it's not. No, it's not. Game of Zelda's right there." So, hold so on, I wait, hold on. You're telling me that there's a game after the Baldur's Gate 3 character creator? <laughs> no, there isn't. No, yeah, I didn't think there isn't. was. Thanks. <laughs> we already talked about this. <laughs> I love it. If it was anywhere other than the, than the Forgotten Realms and the truly standard bog, Mar the Mario of fantasy worlds, then <laughs> miss me with it. Please miss me with it. The world 1-1 of RPG settings. <laughs> yeah, and I think that just the separation of time between Zelda and Baldur's Gate made people forget about it and confirmation bias of Baldur's Gate. So I'm glad that this burst at the end of the year is kind of like hopefully resetting people's brains and we're starting to decide what exactly is the real game of the year instead of just screaming Baldur's Gate. Yeah. So can I just list some stuff that came out this year? Yes. Don't worry, a, a an article 
they came out yesterday, gave most likely Game of the Year nominees by Metascore. By okay. Metascore. Um, shout out to Forbes. Thank you for being a content mill. Uh, appreciate gee, it. Forbes, you're a... I was going to say a real one, but no. <laughs> no, they're not a real one. Okay. So we got Tears of the Kingdom, Street Fighter Six. Very, you know, it's still, it's a really awesome entry into fighting games, but fighting games are so niche. The people yeah. who like fighting games, I'm sure you like it, but you know, it's niche. Listen, I, like, I have a good friend who's a fighting game fiend, and I, I have tried. I love, I love watching fighting game tournaments, but, like, playing the games themselves, I, no. I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Similarly, I think Diablo 4. Again, people have been mm. waiting for it for a long time. Very niche. I don't think it's going to crack it necessarily just because of the number, the types of people who play that type of game. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, also very well rated. Again, couldn't couldn't tell you how the game was after the character creator because the character cre- I thought, again, much like Spore, I thought the character creator was the whole game. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, sea of Stars is one that got really well rated. It was kind of like a throwback to other, to like... Uh, 90s JRPGs kind of like uh, in yeah, that way I didn't play it, it it gave me Golden Sun vibes I was a big Golden Sun for Game Boy Advance fan oh yeah yeah um, Cyberpunk 2077 got their shit together finally and they I, released a new a new entry Phantom Liberty which had Idris Elba in it I don't know it, but like the fact that it took them the time to get their shit together like can you be called game of the year if we all saw that you were so bad first. You know? No, I think the answer is no. I think it's it's like the Oscars, you know? It's like, it doesn't say anything about you, How if people now think this is a good game. It's like, well, you know, sometimes the Oscar committee gives you an Oscar and sometimes it doesn't, and it's not the BL end-all. It's just an award. You know? I don't think Cyberpunk is that one, though. No, I agree. Um, Starfield, which is Skyrim in space, which mm-hmm. has the same problems that all uh, as Bethesda's <laughs> games do. Uh, here's another one. Here's the one that kind of bucked the trend. Alan Wake 2 is coming out th- today, this Friday, mm. uh, the right before Halloween. Um, another one from our good friends over at Remedy who made Control, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Uh, Alan Wake, another real spooky, real emotional. And I think that in kind of like they almost juked the, the, the glut here of October 20th. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Hogwarts Legacy is still on there. No, Remember when no. the, we were talking about that? I know. This one's appearing so high on lists, and I super wish it didn't. What happened to I, I thought we were boycotting this one, you guys. What happened? I, I think the po- they were boy. The people who did rate it gave it pretty good ratings, which is crazy. Um, uh, so I think that's why it's like now in conversation because it got like an 80, even though no one actually talked about it because it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then we have like Armored Core Six, which came out. Mm. Um, there was a Jedi Survivor game that came out, and also everyone's favorite uh, little spooky game that could Dredge, which I really love. Right. So, where do you think that Spider-Man Two fits in with this list that mm. I that we just kind of discussed? Like, do you think it's gonna just pop to the top of Game of the Year, or do you think it's gonna like it, I don't know? You're the one who played it. Let me know. Yeah, great question. No, I don't think so. I think really? that Sp- I think Spider-Man 2 fans are going to be like game of the year, game of the year, and anyone who doesn't care about icon collectathons and who is unimpressed by the swinging because that's not what they're looking for in games um, is going to say, uh, sit down and be quiet. I think um, wow. it's it's not a breakthrough hit. If you love the first one, you'll even more love the second one. If you were mm-hmm. mildly interested by the first one, you can get into the second one. Um, I don't think... It has the four quadrant appeal, video game wise, and like the, the the new systems that are in it are are iterations of the old systems. They're not, it's not advancing the industry quite the way as I'm going to call it. Tears of the Kingdom did. Um, I think it's Tears of the Kingdom because of the things it did under the hood and the things it did like above board. Like it was beloved and also one of the hardest things you can possibly do in video games at the same time. That's interesting. I was kind of hoping this would shake people out of their Baldur's Gate 3 reverie. I definitely rate this higher than Baldur's Gate. It's I think it's a better RPG than Baldur's Gate. Um, sure. I, I, you know, and it's so funny, but like the Spider-Man games, like they they have those, is that what a Western RPG is? I don't know. They have, so I, I've grown up loving that kind of game. Baldur's Gate, was not the best one. And I think, honestly, I think Spider-Man 2 is better than that, but I don't think you can beat a Tears of the Kingdom with a Spider-Man 2. Yeah, but this one you could be a druid and a squirrel can, wa- and a squirrel can watch you do it, if so. I think, so. I mean, we can have a much larger conversation in a different episode about how I think 
there should be like more sex in games and how that shouldn't be like we shouldn't be as prudish as protestants want us to be about that i mean there's this is literally happening in movies right now where people are like why sex scenes listen i think that there shouldn't be sex scenes i think it's stu i think it's stupid that we make people do it but it's like you know I'm not going to keep people from doing it. Like, if that's, you know, I uh, well, don't th- know. There's an issue with, like, the the industry we've built and making live human bodies do that. But, like, in yeah, video exactly. games where everything is computerized and simulated, like, let's tell those stories. But, like, society's not ready for that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We don't have to talk about, we're, we don't have to talk about tiefling penis. We don't have to. <laughs> pull out. Pull out. As much as, as much as I want to pull out my tiefling penis. Sorry, pull, pull <laughs> up. I meant pull up. Fuck. <laughs> Got him. No, so that that <laughs> yeah. is honestly what I think the biggest deal about Baldur's Gate 3 is like the character creator is so deep and so rich and a lot of fun to play with and all of the romance and shipping, but only because like no other games have systems like that. Let's just make more games with systems like that and that won't be enough to win game of the year anymore. Yeah, I know. Hot I take, just, like, baby, but I'll stand by it. I mean, that's fair. I mean, the, I just... Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mario Wonder, I think, will be in pe- mo- in some people's like top five or top ten, but okay. I think it's going to come down to like Nintendo fanboy stuff, which there are a lot of. But I think that people might discount it, being like, "Oh, I don't want to play this type of game anyway." It's almost funny, like the two D Mario, the two D platformer is almost like its own niche, like its own no yeah. different than like Diablo Four, I guess. Um, yeah, and I think like Super Mario Wonder, as great as it sounds, like. Again, I'm not the most biggest fan of the Mario games. I've played a few of them, but not all of them and not to completion. But, Mm. you know, so like Super Mario Wonder, I think, has uh, that Mario wall, that inner wall, that containing wall where like, you know, Tears of the Kingdom, like not just diehard Zelda fans love that game, you know, like casual people who like have a Switch and want the best experience on the Switch are playing that game, even if they've never Zelda'd before. Yeah, it's like the crossover hit. Yeah, yeah. it's like you only play Super Mario Wonder if you want to play a Mario game. Like, at yeah, some if you, point... Like, if you want to play one of the best Mario games, play Super Mario Wonder. But, like, if you want to play one of the best games, play Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, I think it also needs to, like, be what people assume video games are, and I think that might be, like, a really modern, mm. stylish 3D action adventure game is like what people think video games are so i think that might be also be part of it which is why like mario everyone's like foaming at the mouth for mario odyssey 2 and this just feels like something cute nintendo's putting out yeah i it that's what happens with game of the year every year isn't it is that like these are all games that hit in their niche and the only ones that win break out of it yeah and i mean like obviously this is like it's a zero-sum game in the first place anyway yeah. that we're talking about this. Absolutely. Like it's, just for fun- it's just for funsies. But I, I was just like, I just think it's so funny that all these games came out on the same day. <laughs> I, I find it so, I find it so, so funny. Happy National Brandied Fruit Day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hold on. Let me, oh yeah, here's the Kotaku article. I just want to read, I want just want to read it to you. Great. Here are all the games that came out in October, okay? Okay. A Hellboy game came out on October 4th. Mm. Detective Pikachu Returns, October 6th. Forza, a new Forza game came out October 10th. Sure, okay. Assassin's, yeah, Assassin's Creed Mirage, October 12th. Lords of the Fallen, do not know what that is, October 13th. Sonic Superstars came out October 17th. Oh, what yeah. a bad choice. What a bad choice, Sega. Come on. Sega doesn't know how to make good choices with Sonic. It's fine. <laughs> no, they don't. Spider-Man 2 and Super Mario Wonder came out on October 20th. City Skylines 2 came out October Ooh, 24th. Big for Sims fans. Yeah. Alone in the Dark, uh, horror horror game, October 25th. Ghost Runner 2, do not know what that is, October 26th. And Alan Wake 2, October 27th. What a chock-a-block. What an absolute fucking chock-a-block month. And then the new WarioWare game comes out in a few days in, in November. Not to mention any number of indie games that people have worked so hard on in their bedrooms and in their studios like that get buried in these announcements. True. You know, Im- imagine finishing your game at like the end of August and being like, all right, October's going to be it. And then all of this stuff gets dropped. It's wild. It's wild. Terrible. And right before this in September, Mortal Kombat 1, the resetting mm. of the Mortal Kombat universe, Payday 3, which was very, very popular. Payday 2 was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And Starfield all came out in September. So chock-a-block here at the end of the year. 
What a year for games. And now we won't have more for another four years. Good, good. Love that. Good, good. And that works out (laughs) for all of us. Yeah. All right. Well, Misha, thank you for talking about National Suspenders Day with me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for asking me questions about a game I really loved playing. Uh, I do it. A nice, a nice activity for me. I'm very excited to play Spider-Man. As soon as I'm done 100%ing Mario Wonder, uh, I will let you know. Yeah. And well, I'm going to set up the PS5, have my little PlayStation 5 exclusive machine just sitting at net below my TV. Uh, hey, Misha, what are you doing when you're not talking to me about video games? Gosh, I'm editing podcasts and sound designing short films and working on other games. Uh, you can find out all about the stuff I do at my website, MishaStanton.com. Well, that's those, those are all things. Those are all good. Um, you can follow me on the internet. I'm L underscore Severo on Twitter, and uh, I'm playing video games. So I just got to lay down. Though I feel, Misha, I feel so crazy all the time now. <laughs> the world is so weird. This world is so, so bad at the moment. What um, if you picked up a flower and all of a sudden the subway just turned into a big old inchworm that smiled as you as it passed? Hey, man, I'd like that. I fucking like that. It would yeah. be very nice. Uh, yes, uh, please continue to submit questions over on the website. We, we love your advice questions. We almost always answer them unless we're doing something special. Uh, <laughs> but we have more episodes coming out. And it's all going to be all good. Um, well, Misha, Misha, thank you again. Um, shout out. Thank you for the chocolate you gave me in the office. <laughs> and remember, in, in the manual of Spider-Man 2 and of Super Mario Wonder Bros., there's nothing in those things that have anything about feelings. Eric, no spoilers for Spider-Man 2, but there are a lot of feelings. I'm sure there are a lot of feelings in in, in the Spider-Man game. I'm sure there is. <laughs> Games and Feelings is produced by Eric Silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is Return to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce, and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast.